Guys, on today's podcast, we have Jeremy freaking Jones here, the snowboard icon, 21 video parts, sponsors Burton, Annan, Milosport, Nixon, and Forum. He's part of the legendary Forum 8, which so stoked to get into. Um, he had an avalanche a couple years ago. Love to get into that, but thanks for coming on and, and welcome. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Stoked. And you're local, right? You grew up in Farmington. I did. Grew up in Farmington um, since I was two. Yeah. And then migrated south. I, I mean, ultimately to get closer to the mountains and yeah. get on snow quicker in the winter. Yeah. Nine siblings, right? Nine siblings. Yeah. yeah good call. Um, nine siblings, one adopted. Cool. So my mother had eight, and it was... Yeah, it was cool. They're all, I mean, it's the, they're the best. They stay out of everyone's hair, and they're there when we need them. So it's it's like a perfect family, I would say. What This is totally off topic, but what do you think about that? Like after growing up with nine siblings, what did you want? Like how many kids did you want? And I didn't want nine for sure, but yeah. just because I, I knew, I could just see that that was not what I wanted to manage, really. <laughs> You know, I I mean, hindsight, it's easy to kind of put the words to it, but that's, I was just like, man, no way. And my wife, you know, in her head, six was kind of where kids were sitting, but even that, like reality is reality and it, it sort of just delivers what you get. So we ended up with two and I think that's what I wanted. I really just knew I wanted a baby girl. I, yeah, that was like in my soul from the jump. So from there, it was I really was pretty fluid. Awesome. So in ninth grade, started to become friends with JP. Correct. You guys had your your crew. At what point did did you start to think, man, I could actually like get paid to do this? Like there, this could turn into something. I mean, that that would really I think was getting paid I think it was I mean there was this this little bit of a lead into that where my father challenged me on creating a business plan with snowboarding specifically snowboarding specifically because my parents were that was when I was 17 going to 18 and school just wasn't where I excelled yeah you know I didn't like it I didn't like the people yeah like I, I struggled just being there. I didn't like the authority seven times a day, you know, yeah, seven classes and a different person kind of barking at me. And that's, I mean, that was the way I received it. Whether Which it was, is a lot of kids at that age, right? It is. Yeah. It but wasn't. your dad wouldn't talk to you about it unless he saw like Jeremy special here. Cause every kid probably doesn't love school, you know, and you don't yeah. want to be like, Hey, let's, let's drop out son or whatever. But yeah. And I think, you know, that's one of those things that start to slip with nine kids. Mm. I mean, when you put six through school and they're done and some through college and done, and I think you're exhausted as a parent. And yeah. not that it's it's not any sort of neglect. I think sure. it's just sort of how it falls. <laughs> totally. I can never judge that at yeah. all. And so, you know, in that respect, like, I didn't have the the management either to to keep on school and 
So if I didn't want to do it, I didn't, it didn't get done. And that was yeah. ultimately, it was really my decision, which is too young to be making those calls on your own. I think, I think yeah. you, it's important to have that guidance. And so that was a thing for me, just, you know, even if my kids weren't good at school, I was going to just guide them and show them that they had support all the way through it. And that someone had their back, even if they weren't like producing what all their friends produce or straight A's or whatever this level of expectation is. I just was like, you just need to know someone has your back because this time is the worst. <laughs> like it's a yeah. hard time it's of a life. Hard time. But your dad saw something special there. And so do you look back and think that was a pivotal moment where he wanted me to create a business plan? Yeah, because he, you know, he just saw, he saw the drive and the passion, right? He saw the things that were clicking. He yeah. understood that as a father, which was, I think, unique at the time. And, and he just put it to me. He's like, create a business plan for me around snowboarding. What? And I was like, I don't know what that is. And he's like, just tell me how it's going to work. And so that was really the challenge to be like, okay. I mean, I knew there were some snowboarders. Hard the Hungry and the Homeless came out. I was watching Brian Aguchi introduced to Noah Slaznik. Um, what year is Ron this, by Rogers. the way? This is 90, excuse me, 93. One did that come out or two? 91, 92. And you, you said you're about 17. Yeah. Let's see. Nine, no. So 94, 17, nine, 94, 18. So, okay. Um, and it was, it was the end of the senior year. Cause I, I left school two months before cause I had citizenship marks that weren't going to get me a diploma. And that required at the time, it was like three hours of some sort of, I mean, sitting in a classroom, three yeah. hours of paying your time yeah, for each citizenship mark. And I had 30. <laughs> so 30 to make up or you had 30. Up, okay. 30 to make up at three hours a piece. And then, then you had to pay 30 bucks for each one of those two for the class. Yeah. And, and they had called me and my mom in and I was like, and this is where the business plan followed was, my mom's sitting there with the principal and I was like, looked at her and I'm like, time or money, neither one of those are going to line up with this. So I was like, I'm out. And she backed me up. Wow. But her, her thing was go, go take care of that. Get your diploma wrapped up before anything else. And yeah. so in that process, my dad challenged me. So I was kind of in a little bit of a work mode, luckily, because I just hand wrote a one page that, described what snowboarding would look like. And I just kind of threw it at the wall. You know, I'm going to meet photographers, filmers. Ultimately, someone in the magazine is going to pick me up, take notice. Um, I'll get photos in there, and I imagine I'll be making these videos like this. Wow. Do you and have it, that still? I do, and I use it. I, I do a presentation around wow. Avalanche, and that's... That's one of the images that I use is the, that letter because that's it's, incredible. I mean, it really lays out foundationally what you do. Yeah. You had a vision, anything, you know, you, yeah. you get contracted for a service and, and it's your job to deliver. Right. So, it, it is crazy though, to, to sit on this side of the table and hear you talk about like 
your vision at 17. Like I'm going to get in the magazines and make these video parts. Like you did that <laughs> and you were one of the best to ever do it. So it's, it's crazy to hear you talk about that. Is that mm. weird for you to hear you talk about that? I mean, the way you just, it just got weird for some reason when you said it that way. I, and, and I think it's the phase I'm at. Like I'm, I was explaining this to my wife. I'm, there's parts of now my career that's are, is so deep that I can look at it as if it's not me totally. Mm, wow. Like I'm fully separated from the moments and like the feelings in those moments. Yeah. But I, but I know the story and I know, and I can back it up with a real feeling, like a real description of the way that that felt yeah. and feels. Yeah. But I don't, I can't tap into that. Like it's, it's history. Yeah. You know? And so it's interesting to me now because I'm revisiting parts of my career from that lens of this, like people that were watching because they'll share things like that. And before I was just in it, you know, like that vision to me then it's like in hindsight, it's a vision now because I can, I can explain it. But at the time I was just like, really? Like I have to do this thing. Sure. Like, felt like work you know, that he yeah. was, he was giving me and, but work that wasn't really paying out, but it did because he, un, he didn't tell me, but he's like, I'll give you, um, was it 200, 200 bucks a month on a gas card? This is your dad. This, yeah. Of him to go for in it. his approval of the, of the business plan. So that was his reward to me. And he's like, all right, I back it. Yeah. 200 bucks on a gas card, which is a lot you of money, six months, especially like if he, I don't know if he did, but to offer that, like if he did for nine kids, like that's a shiz ton of money. Yeah. And I don't know what he did for the other kids. Yeah. I mean that, but, that but you had that on. Yeah. Wow. And it was, so he ran that. He promised me six months was kind of his deal. And okay. I delivered on that and he just sort of let it hang for like another six so he ran that for a year for me which was super cool yeah but inside that six months i delivered a sponsorship that started paying me 400 bucks a month so Sick. and that was rev snowboards cool kind of popped it all off so my dad was the pivot point I does mean, he know about the one pager still yeah he does that's he knows cool i use it he hasn't seen it yet but yeah he's, that's just so sick man i think what a beautiful thing to share with your dad now you know yeah it's cool it From, is cool from the outside, like, I think it's an incredible story of just vision, like to be able to go to your kids or other people and be like, listen, you can, you can live your dreams. Like this was me. This was my vision at 17, you know? Yeah. And you did it. Like, I guess my question is, I know it was work, but how certain were you that like you were going to do those things? I know you had to write it out, but just in your mind, like how certain were you that I'm going to go get in magazines and I'm going to make video parts and I'm, I'm going to go pro. I wasn't. You weren't. No, I was just certain that that was my lane. And I think, if anything, my self-talk was probably more damaging than it was motivational. And mm. maybe that's where I found the motivation is like, I mean, I didn't, I wasn't sure. I didn't know if I could stick it. I just knew that I was going to go down in flames trying to. And so that, 
that for me was the vision. The vision was just like, someone's going to back it. I'm going to run it. Till Let's the send it. Fall off. Yeah. And you know, that it, that sort of, and that narrative has to evolve. I think for longevity. Yeah. But it's, it's an okay place to start. Yeah. At that moment was skating a, an, an equal type of opportunity or was snowboarding like the lane. Cause I, I hope people know, like you were freaking incredible skating too. Thank you. Um, I have a lot of friends that don't snowboard still that when they see me now from, you know, meeting at the U 30 yeah. years ago, skating, they're still ticked. They, you didn't me, go I'll that like route skate off and I'm like, see you guys later. Good to see you again. They're just like, you're always a better skateboarder than <laughs> snowboarder. Cause they wow. try to get on the snowboarding, you know? Yeah. So I think other people wanted me to kind of go that way more. I, I was harder on myself in skateboarding than I was snowboarding. I was mm -hmm. certain I couldn't pull that one off. Um, and again, now that I can really look at it, kind of break it down a little bit, skateboarding was my soul. And I've, I just don't sell my soul. I never have um, in any way. Meaning more of like a, a hobby passion and you wanted in, to keep it that way? way yeah. yeah. And, and not that that's, and I don't say that in a negative way. Like yeah. there's, you can, I mean, you build things to sell them, you know, and totally. some things you don't. Yeah. And like my, my relationship with skateboarding wasn't scalable for others to be a part of. Yeah. Like it, it's, it was mine and still is. And I share it with friends, you know, and other skateboarders too, but it's like no one else knows that feeling and snowboarding has, there's parts of that, but I was able to convert that one to something more scalable in my head. Do you think you could have gone pro as a skater? I don't. Okay. What do you think? I, I was going to dig into this anyway. So this is like the right time, but once a week we'll get our kids together and do a family lesson. Mm -hmm. Last night we talked about, you don't have to follow your passions, but follow your efforts. And if you follow your efforts, you know, you can get good at anything. And when you get good at stuff, you, you probably start to enjoy it a little bit more. And mm -hmm. it's, it's advice I got from a Mark Cuban quote back in the day that, and Tim, Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple says the same thing that follow your passions isn't the best advice. Cause not everybody can do what they love. You know, like everybody wants to be in the NBA or NFL, but there's only a couple hundred players in the league, but there's millions of kids. Mm -hmm. So you got to do something that is so cool that a lot of teenage boys would aspire to do. Like what's your advice on follow your passions versus like when somebody's trying to figure out their career, should they do what they love? Like you passed up skating and you loved it. Did you love snowboarding too? Or was it more work or how did you view it? Um, no, I loved it. You loved it too. For sure. Okay. Um, not more than skating. Okay. Ever. Um, you know, I mean, that's in, cause I, I've, I've ran that passion kind of versus. 
Yeah, it's a, this is a deep topic, right? Yeah, and but it kind of also doesn't have to be because yeah. if you like if you follow your passions and I mean, I think you should put everything into this life to try and find something that you're passionate about. I Love think that. I think that in itself if that's all you did, yeah. And loved, like you, you're as good as anyone. I agree. At the end, so, I think. But does that have to be your career, or can that just be a hobby? It can be a hobby for sure. I think. And then in the career space, I think that's where things start to change. Where you have this kind of hybrid, where you 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 let go of a little bit of a the passion of something. Yeah. So that you can learn a new skill and get good at it and then almost make room for that to start to become something you're passionate about. And I think you can be passionate about something. I mean, I think passion versus itself too. Yeah. You know, you're it's passion about the thing or passion doing the thing. Totally. And feeling the thing. And I think maybe that's the separation. I don't know. That's cool. I like that thought. When, like, so kind of going back to 17 year old Jeremy, who did you look up to? Like, who was the guy for skating and who was the guy snowboarding that you're like, I love that guy. I want to emulate that guy. I mean, snowboarding was no Slaznik for style. Okay. I mean, that was, that was just beautiful. I mean, I don't know how else to describe it. Like when yeah. I saw it, it was re- it was real raw, you know, and punk rock. But it was yeah, it was such beauty and flow. And I wasn't a surfer, but if you know, if there's a relation, it, you know, it's how people describe surfing: just that that flow and attack at yeah. the same time. And then the street kids from the Midwest were huge influence: Roan Rogers, Nate Cole. Russell Winfield, they, you know, they were kind of the early ride kids and they're riding handrails and, yeah. and skating. And so that resonated, made a lot of sense to me in Farmington. That's what we had. We had, you know, the sand pits for some little dirt kickers and we had mm. whatever rails we could find around town and Mitch's backyard, we could set up corrugated tube and picnic tables. So that was kind of what we related to. Yeah. And it's cool to fast forward and go into your career and you brought the picnic tables into a lot of your video parts and you yeah. brought skating into your video parts. You brought the street into your video parts. So was there ever a point in your career where a lot of those guys you looked up to then kind of turned around and looked up to you and like, did, did you ever uh, have any of those moments? Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of them all share, have shared that in a, yeah. you know, in some sort of conversation or you know, them, their interviews or something like that. So you, it's, yeah, it's pretty cool. You know, when, when they recognize that you're even, when they even see you, they know who you are. Yeah. Yeah. Like I met Jamie Lynn after 20 years of being in, in the career, like industry. And he, it was just recent, like five years ago, I met him on, I sat right next to him on a plane out of Salt Lake. Both of us were going to bald face in Canada and I just look over and he's drawing, you know, and I'm just like, dude, those hands, those, I know those hands and I know that artwork. And 
without even looking at him, I'm like, Jamie Lynn. And wow. he looks over and took him a minute. And I, but I introduced myself. I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm a huge fan. And it's crazy that I don't know you better after 20 yeah. years, you know? And yeah. And that was like, and then he was like, yeah, you know, I know, I know who you are. And <laughs> like, that's such a win, you know, so you're sure. it's like, all right, you sick. Like he saw me, you know, and yeah. I don't know when he saw me in 20 years or when he took note, but he, he did, he took note and he knew what I had done. And that was pretty rewarding, you know, just to yeah. be seen like that for sure. That's super cool. Kind of jumping into some of the movies. So I was going into my sophomore year, I think when, yeah, the resistance came out and it's different now. Like if you're in your twenties, you, you don't realize now, because I think back then icons were so much bigger, like social media has kind of changed the game a little bit. Sure. And so, I mean, the forum eight was like the Chicago bulls during the nineties. It was like this, all eyes, the whole industry, like, there was so much hype yeah, around crazy. the, the forum is like, I've heard you talk about on podcasts, like, you know, people asking you to sign stuff. You just getting crazy girls asking you to sign their boobs or people asking you to sign on their kid or their shirts or just yeah. like, I remember being at these, these premieres is what they would call them. Right. And there'd be these massive lines. And then you're waiting to see like all the new video parts that everybody works so hard. Mm-hmm. And, then like JP or Jeremy arrive in the parking lot, walking in, it's just like, oh, <laughs> freaking out, like mass chaos, you know? And then what's so cool that I miss about the old days of the culture is like in the, when you're in the movie theater and you're watching it and you, I know you remember this, but like, if there was a sick part, like the whole crowd would be like, oh, like if somebody land that sick thing, like the audience was so engaged and it was an interactive experience. And I noticed over time it started to lose that a little bit. And so I kind of viewed like those years as like the peak years, whereas like it was so iconic. There was so much just energy, like premieres were just the sickest thing to go to, you know, and what part, who had the first part, who had the last part, who, you know, all that stuff. So for me, true life was like, that was like the peak, man. That was so cool. And that was a junior in high school and. Those were crazy years. Yeah, they were. And I think you're spot on. I mean, that was for the culture of snowboarding. There was, you know, fast and intense growth. Yeah. And a lot of learning happening on the fly. And, yeah. You know, and we paid for that. Some of it, you know, 10 years later in the industry and other stuff, it paid us, you know, 10 years yeah. later. So I think it was huge contributor. and. A lot of brands at that time. That was a, a impressionable time for sure. So I know Shakedown, you got the closing part. And the closing part is like, that's like the thing, you know? Yeah, that's the coveted for that's sure. That's the coveted spot. Yeah, and absolutely. so one question I had for you is, even though you got the, the final spot in Shakedown, Shakedown was like the movie that year. What was your favorite movie that you were part of like which one did you have the most fun shooting for that season and yeah that that sort of moves around like yeah it kind of can move through the portfolio a little bit um for the most part shakedown was 
a personal kind of the biggest personal win. Yeah. Where I put everything together that I wanted. Um, that was the tra- my transition from leaving Forum and then um, coming into Burton. Yeah. So there are some the layers there. It was, you know, hard because it was, that was like a career ending move the way most people saw it in the industry. And so that was, that was kind of the abuse I would take on that end and mm. kind of what I had to fight against again. Yeah. And so, but it was all familiar, familiar, right? That, that yeah. territory of, of just no, you know, and being told that constantly and, and what it was going to be for me was, yeah. it was so easy to just be like, nah, you know, I can, I can flip this. And at that point I knew how, cause I had, you know, the years before of getting things going, which was pretty stumbly, you know, even after that first $400 check, it was a year and a half later that they went out of business and I went, ran two years trying to do it again, you know, yeah. all over where mowing lawns in the summer just to, you know, keep make enough money to skate, pay rent and then get a seasons and start again and see if we can do it this year, you know? Yeah. Is that the one I know it's the biggest accomplishment for like that. And that's tremendous. Yeah. You know, like that's an iconic movie. Well, actually let's talk tricks for a sec. Okay. The closing part of your part is a backside 450 slow-mo over the kinked rail. Mm-hmm. I remember this perfectly cause I'd study all the tricks and moves like you had backside two seventies down and not a lot of people did have those on film in those years, you know? Right. And then you go to a backside 450. Like, just walk me through that. Like, was that super gnarly for you? Did you feel like you had that down? Uh, no, I mean, that was, I'm, I don't think I, I mean, no, I didn't have it down. That was a, a learn then, you know, but it was, that was also just feeding on that energy and trusting the whole crew and, and other people and what you're capable of, you know, like we, that session went off first of all, like it was just me and JP were just everything we tried, we would make. Wow. And it was, I mean, we put down 10 tricks each on that thing. And I mean, we were able to throw away a handful of tricks, you know, because we liked these other ones better wow. and we were after a certain goal. And so, yeah, it just kind of had, it was that night. You know, it was late and the photographer was like, they, they didn't, they struggled shooting sequences in at night mm. over like the generator lights or any fake lighting. And then the, the sinking wasn't fast then as it is now, you know, and so to like flash a sequence, especially a 450. And so it, that actually motivated me because I could feel the stress of the photographer and he didn't know how to get the shot. And I was like, is the camera working? And I just, that's all I needed to know is, <laughs> yeah. is the film working. And then let's get, let's just keep going. And like that would weirdly turn on situations knowing that a photographer is going to miss the shot and it wouldn't be documented in that realm. Because sure we were held back by that a lot of times, like the, you know, redoing something or going back to do it again for, for a photo. And 
I don't know, photos just and video, like depending on what the goal was, sometimes they didn't totally align to be together. And yeah. So it was a lot. It was just sort of one of those magic days. And then the, the 450, yeah, it just kind of came through as an evolution of that 270, the backside 270. And I had I had messed with that earlier than most people because everyone was doing the front front side cap yeah two and, and yeah down and JP was starting to do the hard weight cap twos, so that was just sort of my my way to stay in the game even in our own crew. I was like, well, this one no one's got yeah, and no one wants to even try it totally because they're scared and so it's and blind. Like, yeah, it was never like fear based. I could yeah. push through fear pretty easy. So yeah, I mean for the listeners, the, the backside is more gnarly than a front side the front side you have the view you can see where you're going backside is it's blind man it's so blind. so it's gnarly and i think it the trick before you did do a backside 270 right isn't that in that part and then you go 450 i can't remember if i put the back two in there i had a bunch of like hard way press tricks in there um cab press yeah i don't i think the back two we just it was one of the scraps okay and maybe it was in a b-side so you're saying numbers. that was learned like you weren't throwing that back 450 anywhere like you were you yeah, were trying and, that at that session and i went back like at that session i had hopes that we could get that like to pass yeah i mean we went back to that a couple times with goals i'd back to it previously so that's probably why we didn't use it from that session and yeah and maybe I used it in a different video. I can't even remember, but the, yeah, it was, I knew I could do it on that one. It mm. lined up right. The drop was right. I liked quick spins. I liked being able to get the the 450 real quick. Yeah. Rather than having a ton of time. So the size matched up for kind of what I wanted. And yeah, that was a fun one. That's cool. It held for a long time. Like it seems like just this year, people are starting to that's insane. Really man. do them a ton and twenty I mean, years later, messed with it, but no one's yeah. done. No one's really done a good one in the street. That's insane. And that's pretty cool. That's so. On that. Especially like in a sport that's evolved and like when I watch slope style now, it's so different. You know, like it's almost like it's a pure acrobatic sport. Then like I don't know, just like yeah. how many spins. It just changed. So to do something it's a, that's it's unbelievable. Yeah. It's, but yeah, it's a, I don't know. Is there ever a trick that, that you can totally remember where you just were so scared, but like you're trying to get it for film, like something that just pushed you way out of your comfort zone. Is there one that stands out as you look back? Uh, yeah, there's a couple the, I did a big gap to rail lip slide at North Star for a Burton movie. A backside or frontside lip? Frontside lip. Okay. And it was, I don't know, the stairs were big. It was the biggest thing at the time. I don't know if, I mean, there's been some gap rails equal-ish to it now in the street, but that was yeah. like a build that we did for a shoot specifically. But it was like a 27, flat 27, I think. Wow. And that was really scary. And my wife was there with my little girl and wow. pregnant with my son. Oh my gosh. So 16 years ago. And that was, that was scary. Just, and I was the only one sessioning. I had Mitch there to just kind of hang around and be yeah. my hype man. But 
it was like an all eyes on me situation, like have to produce these kind of, that's when it, the job is real. Right. Yeah. And you're actually trying something really scary. That's when you, that's when snowboarding was like, I'm, I'm over this. <laughs> I'm out. I didn't sign up for this. One. Yeah. You know, that's where it kind of would start to cross the line sometimes, but yeah, that was scary. And then in the street just had some, you know, roof stuff. It's pretty scary. Yeah. Any high drops gaps. I think, uh, like one of the shots that stands out, I think it's the resistance part where you're going up and doing a crooked grind on that trailer that's sitting up so high in the parking lot. Oh yeah. yeah. Like that's so high consequence. It's just so high. Yeah. That stuff always made sense to me. So it never like, yeah, that was always kind of where it, it was doable for me. Yeah. Yeah. So it's cool to hear your perspective on which ones kind of freaked you out. Yeah. You know, and which ones were like, no, that was, that was just automatic. Yeah. Super, <laughs> super high consequence, far drops. You know, we're always nerve wracking just because you get yeah. bodied. You know? I remember the shot in uh, in the magazine that came out, the big gap drop at Olympus at uh, Rail Gardens. Where you, Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And go, then going like once that came out, I think it was a two page, like the full page spread. Yeah. And then all, like all the guys are like, we got to go see this. Cause we'd been session real gardens, but then to go stand there and see that in real life. That one's crazy. It's long. crazy. Yeah. It's long. We're like, how did he do this? You know, that, was, that, was right that, sure. that was huge. So, um, what about teams? Like looking back now, which which teens were the funnest to be on? Whether it was movies or teens where it was just fun, like it didn't feel like work. Hmm. I always felt like work because I treated it like that. Yeah. I mean, I had a ton of fun in that though. Yeah. And so. It could still be work and fun. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, those forum days were fun. Resistance and true life. That was, those were fun times. You know, it was just high energy. It was pinned. It was like processing what our version of stardom was, you know, and it, yeah. so it was, it was new and exciting and weird and, but fun. Like outside of that, there were a couple of Burton years that were super fun. Zach and Ethan had them on the crew, some younger kids. And that was, that was kind of like a mentorship phase. Mm -hmm. where I was still putting down video parts, but also mentoring their, their rail skills and street skills as a contract and how, how they wanted to represent themselves. So I had a lot of fun with that. Cause I would come up with the, I would just like cheer them on, you know, and then call them out when yeah. they'd be sloppy. And I was like, look, what you're doing is what people that want three year careers do. Mm. And I'd always joke with them and you maybe have heard it on the bomb hole. It sounds like you've, yeah. On those listens. And, you know, I'd just say either you're here for five or 15, like you decide. Yeah. And, and I'd just point out the things that kind of supported that. Yeah. And so it was a joke and also advice. It feels like it's pretty similar to, you know, NFL or baseball or basketball where like your average career span is three to five years. Like, is that feel like kind of a normal number in snowboarding? Yeah. I think three to five years is where a rider will make their money. Yeah. And then, but you, that's usually around about a 10 year 
effort, I would say. Okay. And you peak out the three to five. Yeah. Peak out and kind of maximize those years and then, and then kind of fade out. And so that, and this, this, I guess, feeds into that passion component a little better is that passion doesn't always have to be the athlete. The passion's the industry and the culture, maybe, right? So for me, I had to learn that because once my avalanche happened and and really just pivoted any efforts that I was going to do to be a snowboarder, then I went and did a corporate job that touched into snowboarding, but that was really just for something stable Mm -hmm. and to learn because that was where I knew how to learn is go get experience, you know, rather than school. I did better that way. So yeah, take this job. It still looks at snowboarding and skiing like the winter sport. So I'm still getting this exposure, but man, that was, that position was, would kill me totally. Mm. It's just not where I do well, you know, and as a survival component, I could go survive suppose i guess you know maybe it wouldn't kill me but it would it would delete anything like exciting you wouldn't thrive in my face i wouldn't thrive yeah you know you'd be i'd be walking around pretty just like survival and that showed me that i was like well i can you know that i can still be passionate this is passionless and I can't even like hook into the job in this space. And so I could see there wasn't anything there. And so what am I looking at? I'm going to go here because I can make X amount of money easier than if I stay in snowboarding, I won't make this. And then, but I assess what that passion is and what, what I want out of that. And like, it's snowboarding. I want snowboarding to be represented. I want the culture to be represented and explained to those that need it explained to them. And I want the, you know, the media to be there to support that and to support those questions that people ask, because now we're getting a history, you know, of snowboarding. Like we've been around long enough that there's, I mean, I'm 47 and now I can look at snowboarding and include my passion in it and position myself different and say, look, I can, you know, my goals aren't financial. My goals are happiness right now. And that's, that's where the success is. Yeah. And the happiness can be all sorts of things. For me, it's my time. And it's doing something that I have some sort of passion for. Or desire. You know, it's just got to be my thing. Even if it's killing me and it's and draining the passion from me, at least my choice led me to do that and kind of run my own mistakes. Yeah. And so I think that passion evolves. If you let it evolve, then the moment that you realize the athlete's not your thing, like to your point of don't get stuck behind passion or someone else's point of it. Yeah. You were relaying it. Yeah. don't get stuck behind this chase of passion because not everyone can be the athlete or that star, you know, and it's true. But 
guess how many jobs there are in that space? There's lawyers, yeah. there's accountants, there's salesmen, there's cool. directors, there's creative designers. There's yeah, a lot besides the writing. Product engineers. Yeah, yeah. so much beside the writing. And, and if you love it, you'll be aware of all these things. And then you start looking in the lane and you're like, oh, I can make, I'm good at this. Like, I'm good at managing kids. I'm going to go be a team manager, make 70 grand a year, travel the world, Pretty and that cool. works for your life, right? Cool. Like, and we were sharing a narrative pre the podcast and of, you know, things don't always have to be that super long game. You can view things as like yeah. stepping stones and yeah. the, this, these years of experience that are going to, you know, launch you into your dreams, if that's what it is, if you're not there yet, you know, that's what mowing the lawn was. I, I have passion for mowing the lawn. Just like just that work is very real to me. It's raw. It's satisfying because you, you visually complete something. And, you know, that that was fueling a passion. And so it had like immense merit in my life yeah. for sure. What do you think was different? Like I look at LeBron James. I'm like, man, he's, he just finished his 20th season and he was able to do it for so long. And that's kind of how I view you of snowboarding. Like you did 21 video parts and most writers have three or four good ones and then they're out, you know? So, mm. so what's, what's different from you and everybody else? Cause I really saw this front row. I mean, I grew up in Highland and so Nate Bozong and Jordan Mendenhall mm-hmm. came out of our high school. You know, they're just a couple years older than me. So we're watching these guys, freakishly talented, skating and snowboarding. Freakishly. Yeah. It's like, I'm like, Nate is going to be like one of the best street riders ever in Whatever snowboarding. He wanted there. Yeah, you know? For sure. And we got to run into Nate a couple times and ride similar stuff. And I was like, this is it. And so, but then I look at the, their careers compared to yours. And, and I don't want to take away. I'm just saying like, it's more of a, an attribute to you of how did you prolong it? Like what's different? What's different from you and everybody else there? I mean, I think it, there's a lot there that I don't really know, but when I start to draw, you know, professionally, the things that pivoted me different than them on choices that they made and, and it, you know, ultimately it comes down to what you'll tolerate. Mm-hmm. And and then if you hang around long enough and it breaks you, then you respond one way to that. And so it broke Nate, my opinion. Um, and the party thing made sense. Yeah. And it was fed to him. Like, to his credit, it was fed to him. It wasn't, he didn't have to go anywhere. It was just there. It was just there as yeah. whenever he needed it and wanted it. You know? It was a big part of the scene, though, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I mean, in some scenes, for sure. Yeah. And you you cannot be around it, and you can. That was his choice in the first place. But And then Jordan just, you know, since they're the examples right now, it's, and not for right or wrong. Yeah. Just an example. Totally. They, Jordan just didn't have the stomach for the, for the grind mm-hmm. and just year after year. And then 
and the grinding on you, like the, you know, the filmer is feeling that grind on you. Just like, dude, you're five hours into this trick, dude. Like, you know, they're not saying it, but if you're not, <laughs> if you're not comfortable just being like, dude, you said you were in on this. Yeah. You're in on it. Don't say anything. Then you would feel like they're chirping at you and they wouldn't say anything, but most filmers would sit there forever if you keep trying but you feel it, you know, and yeah, you can feel the vibe. Wear. Yeah. And it yeah. wears people out and they, they just don't want it, you know, and certain crews are heavier in that than others. And that was bigger then than it is now, but that was huge. And sponsors, you know, kind of retiring you if you hurt your knee or something like that, that was real common. And so you just didn't have, you didn't have a lot of room for error. At yeah. All. If there was one hiccup, I mean, you're a contracted person and yeah. it's the company's probably running pretty lean already. So you're gone. We're going to take that 30 grand back because we want to keep the company around and you're hurt for a year. So, and then to come out of that, it's, you know, you go into rehab, enter dark space and you got sponsors dropping you. That's a mental game that is... You know, I would say rarely, rarely beat in comparison to how often it's lost. And, wow. And that, that wins. I mean, in our industry and others, I just think that's a hard place for a human being, you know, yeah. to be getting kicked down while they're at the bottom. Sure. And then just because they don't, and some, and really the reflection of that feels like, you don't have value when you're on the floor. And that's interesting because from an athlete, I had to process that because it, I had to convince myself that I had value outside of my physical attributes and what I could do as an athlete. You yeah. know? And to engage the industry in that is super hard. There's no marketing dollars. You don't get to go run ads for your like mind, you know, and no one's supporting you in that. So how do you turn it on and how do you show the industry now? I want to roll this over. And that was a weird time. It's becoming more available now because people are seeing it. And, you know, like myself, I, I want to be back in snowboarding and money is not the thing. And so, and I'm cool with that. Like, I'm not, if I find lanes to like cash in on things, then I'll do it if I have the bandwidth. But if, but my goal is to just run a brand and contribute to the culture and the community and get paid fair to do it. Yeah. There is so much. You're like, there's a lot there. Totally. Like, I mean, guys could get distracted with partying, different things. How often would you say, take parting aside, that the kids or the guys, they just can't grind, they just can't put in the work consecutively over a long period of yeah, time? I think that's... Is that a big... Like, yeah, just, I mean, that's equal to those. Yeah. I think that's one of the, one of the main things, you know, you, people just buckle mm. and they just don't, they don't have it or want it. Yeah. 
it's interesting. Like me and salesmen, when yeah. I think of like the sales, the sales squads out here, you know, the, yeah. and, and like what you're doing, how, how you're providing for them is, is so brilliant. And I think so important, but I'm so impressed by that hustle because it's, I mean, I recognize that grind. I mean, they like salesmen come to my door all the time and, and I see him walking around and I see the drills and I see like the, you know, I've seen the programming to teach them and it, it's a grind. Mentally, especially. Yeah. And you're just out there exposed. I mean, you're so vulnerable. Totally. Shorts and a t-shirt usually, and you're probably broken down from heat. And yeah, most of the time it's a shutdown show. And like that mental game is exactly what we were talking about. Like, mm when you're down and you just keep getting kicked down, like what is it that you're pulling from ultimately, you know, yeah. and what's the driving thing. And mine was never money. And that's, and I got confused in that. Like it, it became as I would like prepare a plan. I would, I would just assume money was my goal. Like this is where I'm aiming this is what I want. And I can never truly formulate something off of that. And I had to just dismantle it and be like, I, I can't do it this way. And conversation with my wife and, you know, I was just like, I need, I got to be into it. I got to find the lane and it's, and money doesn't motivate me. Yeah. And she asked me, two nights ago, what it was. She's like, why, what, like, how do you even keep getting up? Like what just keeps pulling you? And, you know, she hears me share my family as a, as one of those narratives. Like that's a very a driving force. And it's, that's really easy for people to understand. That's why I use it so much. And, but the truth is, and it's, and also it's not, the truth isn't motivating at all. So it's hard to like, when I present something, I want I present truthful things because they're more motivating and I do use them. But truth is like, unless I'm dead, I'm just going to get back up. And I don't know why. Like I just am, if I'm breathing and I'm just looking for a more comfortable situation than that. Mm. And at the very bottom, that's all I know. And I'm just like, well, this is the worst thing ever. And yeah, I can sit here for 30 more seconds and die. Or I take this time to kind of not. And I just don't ever really choose to die. And so I always just move that. Yeah, it just sort of is in me and I'm, and it's hard to share because it it feels like almost like I have something that so many people don't, don't and yeah. it's unfair, you know? Yeah. And but it yeah, it is. And then the family is just like back up. You know, the friends are back up and the goal of the situation is like backup motivation. This and this is all awesome, like individual stuff. And what separates longevity and top performers, 
What about when it comes to teams? Because you worked on different teams, Burton, yeah. Forum. As you look back, what made certain teams great and what hurt other teams? Because you saw teams rise and you saw teams fall. Yeah. So you, you kind of have this awesome perspective of that, right? I mean, every no matter what, it ran smoother, it excelled, it progressed if the camaraderie was there. It, it really came down to communication and trust. And if you kept your crew kind of lean, that, that was it. Like, no one needed to be even the director. It was like, just call the shots. Here's, like, now we're, we have this working flow with four or five people. Don't add too many odd things into this mix and this cycle. Yeah. Um. But the reason that, I mean, the most success was that. It was always vibe and how you got down with each other. And if you couldn't mesh, it, you had to s separate it. And we started doing that. And I think just more by way of this is annoying. <laughs> got to get this like situation out of here is that more writers or is it more like the, the writers team outside or the writers managers okay. or agents like yeah. whoever is involved with probably the writer yeah and so that can be a few different angles so different management sources writers will have an agent be their main manager or they'll have you know a board sponsored tm is their ma main manager or they have a manager that just manages everything for him, you know? And so you, you kind of can fall in depending on what your vibe is. I always had a team manager. Yeah. It was more in that realm. Um, and I had good ones and I had, you know, the good ones just really just fed you product was there when you needed it. They didn't challenge much. They fed you the information you needed and kind of took the edge off of the things that as you know, the salesman, which is the athlete in this respect, sure. like you're, you're trying to move product. And so the, the team behind me is my best source to guide me in how to do that. Like, yeah. I'm just going to do my thing here. I know that this is why you hired me to deliver a video part and then to be some sort of voice. And so here's when I deliver the video part. Here's the months that we do the voice and just tell me where to go so that I don't have to do that work. And then you have the mental space. And so, and I don't know how that works necessarily in comparison to your structure with your kids and how, and their hustle and what they have going on. But that was huge. And you know, it's huge. Mm -hmm. I guess it would be the manager, like yeah. the manager that's, you know, starting to build their team out. Like, that person is guiding them and saying, this is, this is how you do this. This is, this is why you go here. This is the timing. These are my suggestions. Here's these successes. Here's, and you kind of put that in front of them. And then it seems to me that they'll just go harder for you because they know that the next thing will show up. So let's check this off and get it done. Yeah. And, you know, that usually generates results on all all aspects. What's your advice either to new pro snowboarders or just anybody 
now specific to finances when, cause like you said, they're going to, it's the pre and then they're going to peak out and then the post, but whether their peak is like a three to five year window or five or 10, like you don't know. Mm-hmm. And so it's important to put yourself in a good financial position. Cause there's going to be a post era, right? Like a new move where you're not making as much. And so what's your advice to people financially? Could be sales, could be snowboarding, could be anything. Yeah. I mean, my advice would be just to pay attention to it. And, and if you don't love that idea of kind of investing and finding places to kind of support even a a conservative growth of your money, I think you're making a mistake just because it, that's what I did. I didn't like that space. Like it, it felt like school to me and Investing. it stressed me out. Yeah. yeah. And it felt risky. And I was like, really? Like I just started making money and this is actually providing this, this space for me. I don't want to lose that right now. Like I'd rather, if it's not coming in from that source anymore, then that's fine. Figure something out at that point. But if it's coming in from that source, I didn't want to like plug it up by, or like over and it just made me scared. I was super conservative and I was just scared. Yeah. And, and I, I don't, in hindsight, I shouldn't have been because I could have found people that aren't scared and, you know, could help me and educate me in that. And it's not that you need to make so much that you're comfortable, but just, I mean, it is, you need to have enough so that you can buy yourself enough time at the very least to make any sort of transition. And that to me would be my biggest advice. Like if you can just find a way to save or invest or access funds at a point where you might like not have anything coming in and you need to pay for yourself longer than you expected. And these days are different. You learn there's so many like fast ways to make money and gimmicky ways to make money and little side hustles that I think are easy to access from, you know, a online component rather than 30 years ago where it was yeah. just a little more manual, Yeah, you know? Um, that said, I, you know, people, kids are savvy. And so follow those lanes as you're comfortable and, you know, maybe it is just carving out X amount that just gives you enough to kind of, but also like, I don't know. I really, I didn't blow money like that. I never blew it. I just didn't take care of it. And so you weren't spending a ton, not a ton. I mean, I, we like, and this is just my, this is my personal relationship with money. It's, It's there so that I can pay for my friends. Yeah. Like that's what I, me and my wife both, it was like that. Let's go to dinner. We got it. That's Because cool. we can yeah. right now. And we'll buy the dinner. And we just, we enjoyed that. We enjoyed that, doing that. And we weren't lavish about it. We weren't like loud about it. Mostly quiet. And we enjoyed like, putting money places and, and people not knowing that we were doing it and still not. And 
never saying anything. Like that's what I liked. That's why I like money. It and then that's cool. The comfort's nice, and I need I need to make what I need to make. But I'm there now, and that's really cool. Like I just need to pay these bills, and I'm like chilling. I'm happy. You know, I'm I'm gonna find what I need to and the motivation to do it because I'm just happy. I'm not like money's not my end game. Like the end game is just knowledge and experience and passing my experiences on best that I can. Like we kind of touched on that earlier. It's, I mean, it's it's a crazy life, (laughs) you know? I mean, everyone's, everyone has a crazy life and life is just crazy as common as, someone thinks that their life is yeah man there's so much stuff that comes at you every day and totally it's not i mean in majority not that rad like you got to sift through it choose to be rad in it all and i think when you're able to make that choice every day even when it's just a rough day you're just like it's all good like it's rad you know like it, yeah it can be rad and there's no, it'll come at you again tomorrow. Like I'm not, I don't know, just that it feels a little dark yeah. sometimes, but it, it's like the most light I've ever seen is that understanding that if you're in that light and you're feeling it, like there's your space, like tune in and remember how you got there and like keep returning there. Because yeah. that's the zone. That's like the Goldilocks space. Speaking of money and like coming back to the industry, what was the vibe from you guys and a lot of the pros at the time? I, I feel like, man, in those times, like true life days, the sport was a lot more concentrated at that time. Like the video parts were kind of the thing. And the writers that would do the video parts, you know, and then it felt like the aperture got opened up and maybe commercialized a lot more. And then you have like Sean white and, you know, getting these big sponsors like target and Microsoft and different things like that. So you have that happening. You have Travis rice doing the art of flight and bringing like a snowboard film to more like mainstream consumers that maybe didn't care about snowboarding. And so, and now I feel like I don't know somebody's name unless they're in the, the X games or it's just so wide. There's so many different niches where it felt so concentrated back then. So what was the vibe? Like the guys like Sean white that were kind of commercializing. Was it good vibes? Was it bad vibes? Was it bringing more money to people? What did, what was your take on it back then? Uh, I was, I mean, I had a, a rough take, you know, cause yeah. as everyone did, like, cause that it's like was a new. purist. Yeah. It was like, it was different. Right. Sure, but I also had exposure to a lot of those people. Like, in reference to Sean, I had exposure to him as a young kid, nine years old. Like, he was in contests that we were at Snow Summit and winning. And so we started seeing him. Then I'm traveling with him on the Burton days, and I just see kind of the human in him, I guess. Yeah. So... It was a a weird like contrast to my thinking because I'm like, why are we bringing in all this? These like this, they're just capitalizing on the on these moments in the sport. And yeah, but that narrative changed, and you know, 
the perspective really is they they might have been capitalizing on the sport and they might have made a ton of money on it. They also contributed a lot of money to the sport. And the energy drinks were the biggest one where when they tried to come in, it was a lot of pushback and mm. taking a lot of grief. But Monster, for instance, was became, you know, the biggest sponsor of all these core videos, like headlining sponsor of these street kids. And I'm like that we can't hate on this too hard because they're actually fully, you know, supporting that video project that these 10 snowboarders are in. Yeah. And like, they're the headlining sponsor. They're bankrolling. They're funding this whole it. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. And you start, you know, you had to look at like that way if you wanted to be fair and critique it. And in that respect, like those monster being the example right now, like they've put so much money into snowboarding and you just for right or wrong, you cannot hate on it because they've given people long careers now. Yeah. Them alone, you know, snowboarders. And that's, and still continue to. Like the highest paying sponsor for a lot of these kids now is their energy drinks. Wow. That's interesting. I had no idea. Yeah. And they're not getting paid a ton. Like the hustle is definitely more real for them now. But the, yeah, it's, it's wild. Like they try to lock that, that monster patch because it's consistent and it's like solid and supportive. What role, because, JP's, I mean, such a unique story, right? Where you grew up with JP and then you guys were friends and rode on the same teams together and like had similar careers as far as success, which is just so cool, you know? Yeah. Was it always a healthy relationship that was pushing you guys? Was there ever animosity? Like how did, how was that relationship over the the span of the career? Um, I mean, perfect. I don't really, like, we never, we got in one fight. Wow. One time. And it, wow. I mean, you you always get, like, you always need your free time. Yeah. But those were, that was never even a discussion. It just sort of, you just knew. And then, so that space was easy to, to give and see for both of us. And, yeah, we had one argument one time in the basement of my first house in Sugar House and, I was in recovering from a hernia surgery and we just had, and I'd just gotten married and he was single still and with plans to always be. And it was just a, a transition period in my life. And like we, as really good friends, there needed to be a discussion there so that Mm. there was understanding, you know, and that, and it wasn't, it literally was five minutes and it was done. Wow. You know, and that, yeah, it's it's wild to think back on. Like it's, we've just always had each other's back, and it's not not in any heavy-handed way. It's just always kind of there. Yeah, it's pretty storybook. I mean, to grow up with somebody, to go pro together, to yeah. run the same teens, be in the same videos, like it feels surreal for yeah. sure. Yeah, to look at it and know that it's still going, and you know he's. He's like a grounding connection for me in life. And so it anytime I touch base and we, we connect, it's it's you know, one of the most valuable things that I have and, and I nurture it. Is there anything that cause how many people were in your like crew of homies? Originally? Yeah, we like in high school, like it was eight, like five or seven. Five, yeah, five, five or seven. 
And so four of you went pro, right? Brandon, Mitch, you, and JP. Yep. And, and the, Murphy. And oh, and Murphy. Murphy. Okay. Yeah, so five. I forgot it. Okay. And Chris Hayes, he kind of went pro too for a minute, but his was in and out real fast. And so he was, but yeah, everyone had the potential. The whole squad was like, could have done it. I mean, at one point you were all probably about the same, you know? And so yeah, for sure. What and not to take away from Mitch and Brandon, because they were sick. I remember I have posters on of them on my wall too. Yeah, what Mitch separated you and JP from them? I mean, just that. I mean, I think it was the passion. Passion, yeah, yeah, like that's cool. It, passion and and processing fear and expectations and pressure. Mm -hmm. Um, me and JP managed that. Yeah. And that, I think that ultimately what broke those two was, they just got tired. They got tired of the, you know, they saw the inconsistencies in the industry and contract work and just didn't make them feel comfortable. I think. Yeah. Was it hard? Because one thing that's very impressive about your industry, or sorry, about your career is for a lot of years not not filming or doing parts on Sunday, right? Mm -hmm. And then not partying. Mm -hmm. So when I look at that, I'm like, how did Jeremy hang not partying not, with the relationships built? Like you said, contracts are signed sometimes, you know, at the bar, wherever. But then a lot of shots were probably done on the weekends. So looking yeah. back, like, how do you process that? How were you able to still hang, like not being a, in the partying scene as much and not writing and filming on Sundays? Like that's incredible. I mean, I think, I think seeing that and recognizing it real early was where I turned into a pro because I, in terms of snowboarding and like, where I really developed it was because I I just saw that my space was different like I wasn't going to be getting freebies in any sort of way not that anyone did necessarily but yeah like you could I I had deals that didn't get done because I wasn't out at the bar that night and wow I had deals that would you know get written on napkins you know and lost because wow we wrote the deal too early at dinner and I didn't go out after following yeah. you know and things like that were totally real and so seeing that and being exposed and missing shots on Sunday where go out and the crew has a good day and JP gets five clips and you're just like dude really dang like you're just you just knew like all right if I'm gonna hang those days matter the days yeah. that you're out they yeah. matter and so just book in and clip up what about being married do you feel like was that unique was that harder being a pro and being yeah in that unique. scene yeah um it's all i know i don't know i mean i don't know about it being harder i was somehow capable of it yeah and and managed it and not, not regretful Yeah, in, in the ways that I did. I spent a lot of time with my kids and 
made those that time count in the off season, especially. And when I was home, I was home. Um, I think that's something that traveling. A lot of our our guys could probably relate to. Yeah, is, I think so. It's a very time consuming job, and so how did you balance? Like, you know, other guys that are single, it's like that's their life. It's just whatever's coming is mm-hmm. coming, you know. But then when you have a wife and a kid or kids, it's like very time consuming, a lot of travel. We experience that in our industry. So how do you balance all that? Oh man, I don't know. I, I mean, I think there's lots of ways you can get instruction and tips to kind of put your mind right in those processes. And, but it's what I wanted. Yeah. Like I wanted, I wanted a good relationship with my wife and, like she's she's my homie and I wanted to hang out with her and I wanted to be with her and I wanted to be with the kids. I didn't I didn't want to be away. Yeah. And I think what I don't know what it was exactly that did it, but the, if they understood that I felt that way, I had all the space in the world mm-hmm. and there, I was never, I was never like packing around guilt in any way because my family knew like they were first, really. And I just found the ways to show them that and, and then convince them to trust that. And from there, it was, it seriously just got so much easier. Mm. And that was it. It was just like way less contention and way less questions of why, you know, why, do yeah. you, why do you need to go for so long? What, like, it's like, no, this is, here's why, you know, explain, communicate, tell them what you want, show them that you want it when you're around. And it, I mean, it seemed to, that worked for me. Love it. So you're in avalanche. It's been about six years ago, mm-hmm. 2017. Yeah, six years ago. Pretty, pretty gnarly. Um, people can go listen to the like whole story somewhere else. But basically, you broke your tib and fib on both legs. Mm-hmm. You could have easily died. How did that impact you as far as perspective and life? And it, mm. I mean, I, I unburied one of my best friends in Avalanche, and even not being in it. I mean, was a very traumatic and reflective experience. Mm-hmm. And that that's later in your career. And so I just, yeah, I'm curious, like, as you've reflected on that and in the moment, how did that, if, if it did, change anything? Well, I mean, it changed everything for sure. Some things just a tiny bit. Some things were a big swing. Um, I think what I really learned from it (laughs) is I learned that I was satisfied. Like I learned and it, and it gave me weird sense of motivation because I discovered in the last six years that I'm satisfied with life. I'm you're not talking about just career 
Not just, just, just life, just like the life. life you've lived, the life I've lived, the life I've presented, um, the people that I involve. Yeah. And, and the, the perspective that I currently have is, has positioned me to feel that. And I, I just, it's, it's weird. Cause that seems almost like a point to be done. Yeah. But you're, that's back to that thing. Like I'm, but I'm not like, I'm still here. Yeah. And so I'm just going to keep learning and give it my everything, whatever it is and find these lanes. But it's a, it's a crazy comfort to just know that like, I, I mean, I tell my kids every day that I love them, whether they've got me all wound up or not. I find that space so that they know it. And same with my wife. And so in at any day, in any minute, if things change for me and, and I disappear, I I've done that. Mm. And and I'm and they know it. They know. Yeah, I mean they 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 just know. They know I back them. Yeah. And that they're first. So I think that is, I mean, the biggest win I've ever had. Not not even like shooting for it. Yeah. It it was just kind of a realization of just, man, I think think I'm cool. Like that, that was fun. Like what's now what's next? And it, it was almost like a chapter closed, you know, and not, I can still use all of that experience and knowledge and information and yeah. And it's certainly still my life, but it, you know, it's like almost this fresh start in a way. It, it kind of, I mean, from the outside, it sounds like a beautiful experience in, in a way. Yeah. I mean, I know it was very traumatic. I'm not trying to downplay that at all. But to be so close to death, look it in the face and, and be like, I'm, I feel good about the life I've lived. And it sounds like it kind of took pressure off. Like it did, like, you know, and you know, I know perspective gets thrown around, but it, it, it really is like you can find the cool perspective in really anything you're there for whatever reason, but, and all sorts of stuff led you to that. But like watching my friend save me, yeah. you know, my two friends that I trained with for 25 years, they, they, we can do it without talking. And as soon as I see that and to have that comfort yeah, out there and it was just like, oh, okay, I'm not going to die. He's here. That's insane. You know, that watching them, perform what they did was unreal. And I would, I would do it again just to watch wow. my friends like be that awesome. Cause it, it's the once in a lifetime thing that we trained for. We yeah. Thought. Yeah. You know, we did what we thought we needed to do to be ready for that sort of thing. And I'm sitting there like watching these two just murk it. 
uncovered one you know one dude was buried got him out he was totally fine and you know got me out of there even though i was broken up even though the cat broke down and even though they had to run to the cars and no sat phone like all these things that were not in our favor and just to watch them like and that just feeds that it's just like dude i gotta see that like I'm good. That was so sick. Wow. <laughs> the sickest thing I've ever seen. Like they were <laughs> yeah. flawless. You know? Yeah. It's how you want to be when that moment shows up for you and you don't really know how you're going to be. Yeah. Even when you're ready. And so you get those things wired in right though. And, and you have the right connections and that team is that bond is tight. Like that's who you rely on. And that's an incredible feeling when you have that support and you know it. And, but you got to build that, you know, it doesn't come Yeah, like you don't just show up and have that. That's a, that's a grind for sure. What does like the next phase look like maybe transitioning from like a, pro writer into it sounds like you're want to be working in the industry now how's that transition been and what like what are you looking forward to and what does that look like i mean it's a struggle like for real it's not been easy uh but it's been fun you know i've i've just introduced all sorts of things you know just to hustle pay bills and you and I'm learning stuff in that and I have these goals of these these business plans to kind of support and be involved and one is the relaunch of Forum Snowboards which we did and that's that's yeah. been really fun and we're in a startup mode with that so it's it's exactly that like it's a total beat down it's a total grind and none of us are getting paid from that yet we're just but we want a team we want to do it what we believe is right, but it's also the voice of the kids. Like we want to just be represent something and give something to the kids that they can go and create with. And like forum will be what they make it and with our support. And so, you know, that's a little down the road of, you know, we're still in that kind of grind phase of it all. It'll always be a grind, but just yeah. to get, get the get it rolling um is it going to be called forum i've seen loading yeah. next yeah it's forum okay forum. it's forum yeah forum snow and but yeah forum snowboards is like how can we, we support you in that is there words and it's it, all I yeah mean, there's a lot of direct sales there that we're doing but cool we're, you know we're opening into shops this year more and nice stuff. we want to do it right and be real and so it is it's building slow and get a young team and start doing videos me Mac dog, Mike McIntyre and Pete are all involved with it. Um, so is that kind of the next phase is all in on forum? That's kind of a, a long-term phase. Okay. And then I have, um, just another little side business that is a, you know, I, I'm kind of designing to scale to a certain point and then that's it. And just provide a service for, you know, may, maybe my kids to just work through college and, have their friends come and work just something that can, or just their friends or just, just supporting that, that stepping stone. A lot like what you have in your age group of kids, you know, yeah. where 
you're just providing them a really good foundation to kind of do their thing. And they have time off outside of the summer sales. Like they have a little breathing room to kind of create or pick lanes and whether it's staying in this space or whether it's yeah. kind of expanding into things that they hook into. So I just want, I don't know. I want to be around. I want to see my kids kind of do it and fail and, succeed and whatever that is and just kind of find their lane i want to be close and so i don't know just trying to find those are kind of the main things just these two side hustles the gym is huge and there all the time um training a couple groups that's total passion thing um inter like physical locations unscalable but we're we're starting to do some online stuff there so yeah just kind of poking at things and you know, one of them will solidify and demand more time and the others will have to kind of sit back at some point. But right now we're kind of moving in those three directions. Yeah. Well, I love following you on Instagram. It's, it's so cool to see you out ripping still. You Thanks. Know? It's amazing. Next year will be good. Now I got a straight leg. I missed this whole season because I had a reconstructive surgery again. So okay. I had a super crooked leg and a bunch of broken hardware. And now I got straight leg, way less pain. Um, but the bone's still healing four months out now of that surgery. So yeah, you're mountain biking. It seems like mountain biking. I'll yeah. st- I'm just about to start again this summer. Cool. So from this surgery, so I'm, I'm just coming out of my, now I can start kind of testing leg a little bit. So yeah, I'll start turning it up, hopefully skate more in the summer and next season, I hope to film, you know, and do a like a shared part or an old guy part, you know, where you just yeah. find a kid that wants you represented in, in their part, I think is a cool way to be old and snowboard still now. Like no one needs to see a full part from me anymore, but the representation and like one of the new talents hyping you up and being like, yo, I want five clips of you for my part. Something like that I think is for me where the reward is in that space. Like, cause then you have the, you know, the sign off of the new talent. And I think that's, those are the hardest people to convince that, you know, of your veteran spot, so to speak. Like they're the ones, yeah. they want to dismantle you, you know, they want to, they want to pull that, that cake to them basically is the, the mindset. And it's not that, but it's the way they chase it. And I think it's cool. I think it's appropriate and gives them the fire. And so I, I don't know. I get stoked and I think the approval of the kids is important. For sure. Well, Jeremy, I'm so stoked to to watch the rise of Forum again. Thanks. Me like, too, actually. It's that's fun. just a brand that is so sick, you know, and you want to see that come back. So that's going to be cool. Follow Jeremy on Instagram. It's, it's awesome to watch his journey. It's just so cool. I know you're going to have more video parts. Thanks. I hope so. I wonder, I'm like, it's been a six year goal. (laughs) Keep missing it, but now we'll get there. Jeremy Jones. That's what he does, man. He just, he just pushes out video parts, what you do, but thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for sharing your passion. It's it's been so inspiring. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And yeah, this is cool. Appreciate everything you're doing for your people. I think that's good for the world, even in the small space, you know, it, it keeps moving. So the ripples go. Awesome. Thanks, Jeremy.